and enlighten us and lead us and guide us and direct us. That holy written word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Open your Bibles with me today to John the 7th chapter and the 53rd verse. If you would, John the 7th chapter and the 53rd verse. The Bible says here, and if you don't have a Bible and you'd like to uh, borrow one of ours, raise your hand real high and our ushers will be glad to get you a Bible and loan you one. I know the scriptures are on the screens, but it's just a blessing, I think, to have a Bible and to open that and turn in the, in the scripture with us. So if you don't have one, raise your hand real high. Our ushers would be glad to loan you one of ours. We just ask that you leave it on your seats after the service today so we can use it again next time. Uh, John 7:53, and then we're going to go right into chapter 8, verse 1. Notice, and everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Of course, he went there to pray. You understand that. When Jesus goes to the mountain, that's what he's doing. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down, and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees, now they're the religious people of the day. The scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Caught in adultery. Now if you don't know what that means, she was having sexual intercourse with someone that she was not married to. Or it's possible that she wasn't married but the fellow she was with was married and nonetheless sexual sin and when they had set her in the midst they set her in the midst they said to him teacher talking to Jesus this woman was caught in adultery in the very act in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned but what do you say this they said, the religious people said, testing Jesus. It was a trap for him. They didn't care anything about that woman. They were, they were trying to trap Jesus. Testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last or the youngest. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I want to talk to you today 
speaking for a few moments, titling this subject, Drop Those Rocks. Drop those rocks. What do you mean? Drop those rocks. Rocks of condemnation and judgment. Rocks of condemnation and judgment. Now, when you came in today, you were supposed to have been given a rock, a little piece of gravel. And that rock represents condemnation and judgment. Condemnation and judgment. And as I share this message with you today, I'd like you to hold that rock in your, in one of your hands. Because that rock represents condemnation and judgment. Now, this lady, of course, was brought before Jesus and they, uh, the religious people, the scribes and the Pharisees had come together to stone this woman. Now, that rock that you hold in your hand is not a rock that they would be using, okay? Uh, this is more like what they would be using, okay? Something like that, all right? Something like that. Or, you know, something like this. That's what they would use. Now, many times when someone was stoned, a man would be buried up to the waist. A woman would be buried up to the chest in the ground. And then they'd have a group of people come along and throw these stones at them. And it was meant... As a, it was used as a form of capital punishment and torture. And the stones had to be, they, they could not be real small because, you know, you could throw gravel at like what you're holding in your hand at somebody all day and maybe not kill them. The rocks couldn't be overly big, but they were, I would say, probably about the size of what I have here. And now evidently this woman wasn't buried in the ground but nonetheless, can you imagine getting hit by something like this? And, it was, and a stoning uh, uh, was supposed to take about 20 to 30 minutes. And it wasn't supposed to be instant death, but it was supposed to be about 20 to 30 minutes before the person uh, was dead. And it's interesting that as we look at these stones... They represent condemnation and judgment. And it's interesting that as we look there in Scripture, we see the scribes and the Pharisees. Can you imagine me hitting her in the... Can you imagine that? Huh? It was religious people. You know, so many religious people. I'm talking about people that come to church on Sunday over the many years. I'm talking about born-again people, people that speak with other tongues even, that are filled with the Spirit. They carry these things around more so than anybody else. Isn't that sad? Spiritually speaking. And, and they, hit, they hit fellow Christians with these things all the time. Oh, I don't mean they carry a rock like this. They use something worse, their words. Did you hear me? Now, I've been doing this a long time, and I've seen it again and again and again in so many churches, every single church that I've ever had anything to do with or preached in or ministered in or ever heard about, dealt with, been there firsthand, you know. They all have religious people in them that 
do these kinds of things. They, they stone other people. And it's, it's, it's always a group. As you study stoning, it's always a group. It's never one person that does the stoning. It's always a group. Usually a little click. Did you hear me? Of five, six, seven, eight people. And it's not something that stoning was not something that one person did. It was always a group. You got to watch who you hang around, my dear friends. I've seen otherwise real good Christians when they were around other good Christians, they were not stoners. But when this good Christian gets among the crowd that stones people, that otherwise good Christian becomes a stoner themselves. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? I, 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 I've, I've been doing this a long time. When I used to teach school, I'd have a, a, a student in class that if that student was around other students that were well behaved, that student was fine. But if there was a transfer or something and that student was put around other students that were ill behaved, that good student would become just like the ill-behaved students. Did you hear what I just said? You have to be watchful who you hang around. Don't hang around the stoning group. The people that are full of condemnation and judgment, don't hang around those people. Yeah, but pastor, they just do it a little bit. Uh, how many want to take, how many of you, if I had a little bit of poison in this glass up here, you'd like to come up and just take a little sip? Any takers? No. A little bit of condemnation, a little bit of accusation, a little bit of judgmentalism, if you will, can destroy you. Do you hear me? And so Jesus had just come from a time in prayer. Now this time in prayer prepared him for this situation. You know, time in prayer prepares us for the difficult situations in life. That's why Christians need to be people of prayer, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit can navigate you through the difficult situations of life. You see, these religious people had laid a trap for Jesus and prayer prepared him for that. It, it prayer uh, prepared Jesus for the religious condemnation the scribes and the Pharisees had for this woman. And, and that time in prayer that Jesus had kept him tender in dealing with this sinful woman. One thing's for sure, and I've learned this, I've learned this firsthand. People that are, that, 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 that deal out condemnation, people that are of the stoning group, I'm talking about Christians now, people that like to throw stones, did you hear me? One thing I know about those people, they don't spend any time in prayer. Did you hear me? They don't spend time in prayer. 
I said they don't. Oh, they might, they might, they might go through the motions or they might use some eloquent words or they might speak in tongues and so, so called pray in other tongues. But I'm telling you what, when people are condemnatory and accusational and judgmental, they're not spending time with the heavenly father. You can't spend time around him and be judgmental. You, you can't spend time around the Lord. See, cause when you spend time around him, you become like him. You can't spend time around him and talk bad about people and spread rumor and gossip. Did you hear me? You can't spend time around him and treat people, people unbecomingly. Because if you spend time around the Lord, you're going to, I tell you what, you're going to have compassion for people. Did you hear me? If you, I tell you what, the Spirit of God keeps saying this again and again to me, that, that anybody that, you know what I mean by that? Whether it's on email, text, telephone, doesn't matter. They've just told me that they're not spending time with the Lord. Did you hear me? Jesus had compassion for this woman. And it was because Jesus was a person of prayer. Now Jesus was caught here in a difficult situation because the law of Moses said that an adulterer needed to be stoned. Legally, according to the law of Moses, she was to be stoned. But Jesus had been going around teaching about love and forgiveness. So if he says, uh, don't stone her, then he's violating the law of Moses. Is that correct? If he says, go ahead and stone her, then he's violating what he's been teaching about love and forgiveness. So he's between a rock and a hard place, if you will. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Well, he waited on the Holy Spirit and he acted as if he did not hear their accusations. Now, that's the sign of a spiritual person, a mature Christian, is when there's accusation, when there's gossip, when there's condemnation, when there's judgmental, judgmental stuff going on. The mature Christian, the spiritual person, does not pay any attention to it. Did you hear what I just said? Now listen to me, the flesh, the flesh likes to hear things. Huh? You know what I mean? The flesh likes to hear a rumor. The flesh likes to hear something dirty about somebody else. When I say dirty, I mean, you know what I mean by that? You know, they did something they shouldn't have done. Do you hear the latest? Now, doesn't the flesh, how many of you would agree with me? The flesh likes that. I've been, I've been a Christian a long time in my flesh. If I don't keep it under control, my flesh still likes to hear that kind of stuff. I'm just being honest with you. Boy, we've got to keep ourselves under control because a mature spiritual uh, uh, Christian, when, when, there, when there's accusation and condemnation and all that stuff, all that demonic stuff, evil stuff going on, see, the person that listens to it has just told me that they're not a person of prayer, has told me that they're not a spiritual and a mature Christian, you see. Because a spiritual and a mature Christian will be just like Jesus and act as though they didn't even hear it. Amen? Did you hear me? Did you understand? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about gossip and hearsay and... You know what I mean when I go... Somebody knows what I mean when I... Whispers and tales and... 
And how did Jesus act? What would Jesus do? Well, he acted as if he did not hear their accusations. Is that what your Bible says? No, no, I'm not saying that, you know, if there, if there's an abusive situation going on and, 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 and you, you, you see that or you're, you're, you're aware of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't report that. Uh, how many of you know you should report that to the authorities? Say amen. I'm not talking about that now. I think you know what I'm talking about. And Jesus acted as if he did not hear their accusations. And then, as we read in the Bible, he stooped down and what did he do? He wrote on the, he wrote on the ground. You know, how many of you know Jesus is God, is he not? And when the finger of God writes, I believe, what do we see in the Old Testament? When the finger of God writes, seems to me there were ten commandments, right? So there's much speculation. What did Jesus write on the ground? I don't know for sure what he wrote, but I do know when the finger of God writes, it writes the Ten Commandments. Remember that? It was given to Moses, written with the finger of God. Number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Is that right? How about number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved or a graven image. Any likeness, anything that is in heaven above or in earth beneath or that is uh, in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Number three, maybe Jesus wrote number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Perhaps number four, Jesus wrote, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Number five, perhaps Jesus wrote, honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And number 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male servant, female servant, his ox, donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. That would include a house or a car. Is that right? Is it possible Jesus wrote those out on the ground? It's very possible that he did. You have to remember the situation now. Jesus is there. This woman taken right out of the, right out of the bed of adultery. And these religious people with stones, right? Huh? Right? And then whatever crowd, well, there was a crowd there, obviously, beyond the woman and the Pharisees and scribes, that crowd that was there, Jesus was teaching. There's a lot of people there. And these accusations are brought. And Jesus... Caught between this rock and a hard place, if I say, don't stone her, violates the law of Moses. If I say stone her, violates the law of love and forgiveness. And so what does he do? He doesn't pay any attention. And he stoops down on the ground and he begins to write. And while he's writing what I believe is the Ten Commandments, I believe he's listening to the Holy Ghost. Because how many of you know when choice A isn't the way to go and choice B isn't the way to go and those are the only two choices? How many of you know the Holy Ghost can give you choice C? Amen. And so, Jesus is riding on the ground. Perhaps, and I believe, the Ten Commandments. 
It's interesting, the Bible said, and we read it just a moment ago, so when they continued asking him, did you read that with me a while ago? They continued asking him. So whatever he wrote on the ground didn't stop them. Didn't stop them. They're still full steam ahead. Gee, can you imagine Jesus is writing something on the ground? And if he's writing something on the ground, I don't believe he was just, you know, doodling. And whatever he's writing on the ground, how many of you know if Jesus writes on the ground, that's got to be important, doesn't it? And he's writing on the ground and you think it's going to stop these stoners. And guess what? He gets done writing and what are they still ready to do? You read that, didn't you? They continued. They, they, they want blood. Hmm. Didn't stop them. Didn't stop them. They continued asking him. So he raised himself up, the Bible said, and said to them, and here's that choice C, I love it. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. I like that. Did he tell him not to stone her? No, he didn't. Did he tell him to stone her? He just said, he that is without sin among you, let him go first. And it's interesting, the Bible says, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Did you notice he stooped down a second time and he wrote on the ground? What did he write the second time? Well, we don't know for sure. I believe their hearts, these religious people, their hearts were so calloused and hardened and judgmental that they didn't get it. Did you know that your heart can become so hardened uh, that, that, that you can hear the word of God taught and not get it? I have, I have done this a long time and I have, I have stood in a pulpit over the many years and I, and I had, in the natural, I knew that there were judgmental, uh, 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 judgmental people that were gossips and backbites and, and, and tail bearers. And I knew for a fact that, that they were guilty of these things. And I'd stand in the pulpit and I would teach messages on, you know, walking in love and not being a backbiter and not being a gossip. And you know what? It, it didn't change those people. They just kept right on. Did you hear me? I want you to get that. I want to say it again. I've done this a long time and I've stood in the pulpit dozens and dozens of times over the many years and, and both in this church and in others. And I knew for a fact, it wasn't just something I, I, I felt by the spirit of God. I knew it. I knew that there were, that certain people were judgmental and they were backbiters and they were gossips. And I teach from the word of God. I didn't single them out. I just taught a general message. I taught about the, 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 the dangers of, of, of texting gossip or emailing gossip. I talked about these things. And, and, and I teach on these things. And I talk about these things. And they didn't. They just kept right on. And do you see it happened in, to Jesus, didn't it? How many of you see it happened right there? He, he writes what I believe, the Ten Commandments, I believe gave them the word of God, and they just keep right on. 
So he stoops down and he writes a second time. Now, I don't know what he wrote the first time, much less the second time. I can only assume, but perhaps the second time, you know, sometimes you just got to bop people on the head, so to speak, for them to get it. There's even been people over the years I've bopped on the head, so to speak, privately, and they didn't get it. But sometimes you got to just bop somebody. You know what I mean by bop them on the head? I mean, sometimes you just got to go get in front of somebody and say, Hey, do you know you're a gossip? Now, he's not. Hey, do you know you're a backbiter? Hey, do you know you've been spreading gossip on the phone? Now, he hadn't been doing that. I'm convinced you could do that to some people and they, you know. I don't know what Jesus did, but I can only suspect, and this is what I believe, he stoops down again, and I believe that he's got the Ten Commandments there, and then I believe, he's, I just believe this, I can't prove it, but I believe that he started, I believe he started getting specific. And maybe, maybe to the commandment, maybe to the right of the commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, maybe he wrote Rabbi Cohen. And maybe Rabbi Cohen was, huh? Rut row. Huh? Maybe next to thou shalt not steal, Pharisee Levy. Huh? Maybe thou shalt not lie. Maybe he writes scribe Bloomberg. And maybe to the right of thou shalt not covet, he writes Pharisee Rabinowitz. (laughs) And so maybe, just maybe, Jesus bopped them upside the head. Now Jesus bops evidently work better than my bops because I've bopped a few people in private hey privately I'm never that bold but my bops over the years maybe have worked once or twice how many of you know Jesus bops are more effective than mine because the Bible says after he writes the second time then those who heard it being convicted or convinced by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last or to the youngest. Real loud say, they dropped their rocks. One more time, they dropped their rocks. One more time, they dropped their rocks. They what? Don't worry. Wouldn't that be something if I dropped that on my foot? (laughs) Or on the floor? Say they dropped their rocks. And the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest. I believe we see here perhaps youthful arrogance. 
There's something about being young and you think you've got all the answers. I remember when I was in seventh grade and I had played tennis for several years and I did after school activities and this teacher, seventh grade history teacher, he was doing the intramural boys tennis and his name was Mr. Sharp. And I remember when he was going over the rules, I just, seventh grade, you know, I was young and I, and he was going over the rules of tennis. Well, I know that. I was saying, I know that. 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 And finally, Mr. Sharp took uh, the tennis racket and he bopped me on the head. And he said, you just seem to know everything, don't you? Well, he was sharper than me. And that really was his name, Steve Sharp, good man. And I began to think, well, maybe I'm not as smart as what I think. Something about being young, you got everything figured out. I remember one time right over here, not far from the church, I had been driving for a couple of years and I had only driven on snow. I had never driven on ice. How many of you know driving on ice is different than driving on snow? But I didn't know that at the time. And so I remember coming right up over here. There were, they were just going, the cars. I had to go to Umsel to school, you know, and it was like, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning, and the cars coming down on Subdivision Street going real slow. And I pull up there, and I look at that, and I think, these ding-dongs, they don't know how to drive on this. I'm going to show them how to drive. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just now in, uh, you know, I'm probably 20, 20 years old, 21 years. I'm going to show them. They don't know why. I'm going to show them how to drive. And I remember I, I had a little Datsun 310GX and I put it in first gear and I go out there and I pop it down in second and all of a sudden, rut row. <laughs> rut row. Because, uh, you know, I'm hitting the brake and, you know, it reacts different on ice than it does on snow and I'm hitting the brake and, and, and oh, no one, bang, right into the lady in front of me. Thank God there was no damage done. But you know, you get bopped a few times, you begin to learn. They say, and I've heard this, I don't know if it's true, but they say that sometimes the baby poisonous snakes are the most deadly. Looks like to me those young, the youngest of those scribes and Pharisees, they were holding their rocks out to the very end until Jesus bopped them and wrote their name perhaps next to their sin. Say they dropped their rocks. They dropped their rocks. rocks. You know, if we would just look at ourselves and judge ourselves before we point that high-powered perception of ours at other people, wouldn't we all be better off? You see, Jesus won't only get you to drop your rocks, but he'll get you to drop your sword. Didn't he tell Peter to put the sword away, didn't he? Those that live by the sword will die by the sword. Yes, I know there is a time to take up the sword and defend your nation and all that. I understand that. But I'm talking about in the daily life in which we live. I I tell you what, uh, Jesus will get you to put up your sword. He'll get you to drop those boxing gloves when he said, turn the other cheek. What's he saying? Drop those boxing gloves. I've taught you this again and again. As long as you're wearing the boxing gloves, you do your own fighting. But if you drop those gloves then Jesus will do your fighting for you. He'll get you to drop that fire. Say, drop that fire. fire. Say it again, drop that fire. fire. What do you mean by drop that fire? Remember when John wanted to call down fire on a certain village and Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Son of man has come not to destroy lives, but to save. Remember that? Jesus will get you to drop your fire. 
I remember when I was younger, I was watching Star Trek Next Generation. Captain Picard, how many knows who he is? Thank God bless you. So he was in a bad situation. He was surrounded by the enemy. There was a bunch of ships, you know, and they, enemy ships, and they had him surrounded, you know. And they were going to destroy the Enterprise. And Captain Picard, in his mature, steady way of thinking and doing things, he maneuvered the situation. And he got out of the situation. And just that quick, the tables were turned. And then instead of Captain Picard being in the situation where he was going to get blown up, now he had all these enemy ships where he was had the upper hand and he could have uh, fired on them and he could have destroyed them all. And I remember in that moment of time as he's standing on the bridge and some of these younger officers were around him and they were expecting him to fire. They were expecting him to fire. They were expecting him to fire. And even myself standing in the living room screaming, at the television said, fire, fire, fire. (laughs) He stayed calm. Captain, you mean we're not going to fire? And he gives the command to retreat and pull off and he didn't destroy them. And then you get out beyond it and you see that if he would have destroyed, yeah, he could have destroyed the enemy, but then there would have been some collateral damage of some innocent people. Did you get what I just said? And so after I saw the big picture and I saw what the mature person saw, then I understood why he didn't fire and bring down the enemy when he had the chance, when he could have. When they were going to bring him down and he had them where he could bring... They could have brought him down. They were trying to bring him down, but the tables were turned and when he could bring him down, he didn't. Because he realized some people, some innocent people would have been hurt. And so he retreated. When Jesus, the Bible said, had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, remember? He said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Think of it. The only one who had the legal right to condemn this woman and stone her did not do so. That's maturity there. I want to be like that. How about you? I want to be like that not just when I'm at church. I want to be like that when nobody else is around watching. Now notice he didn't condone the sin. You understand that. Jesus didn't condone the sin. He told her, go and sin no more. Jesus told people that again and again. After he forgave them, he would say, go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus is against sin. You understand that? Because it'll kill you. That's why he's against it. The wages of sin is death. There's only pleasure in sin for a season. Much we could say about that. But you see, he had mercy on her. Look at James 2 and verse 10. James 2 and verse 10. Let's go there. James 2 and verse 10. Notice this. James 2 and 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law. We could say it this way. For whoever keeps all ten Commandment, I mean, we keep the bulk of all those commandments and yet stumbles in one point. 
He is guilty of what? He's guilty of all. That's what the Bible says. So there's ten commandments. If you mess up on one of them, you're, it's, it's like you've committed the other nine. I think that's, that, was, that, that is what was going off on those, those religious people that were there to stone this lady as Jesus was writing. Notice verse 11. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Do you think about that? People that, that, that are accusational and spread rumor and God sees you equal with breaking, the, breaking, breaking it all. And then he says this in verse 13, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment without mercy is to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does this tell us? This tells us that we need to be merciful people. We need to be merciful people. This tells us that mercy will always trump judgment, judgmentalism. Notice in Matthew 7, verse 1, notice what the scripture says there. Matthew 7, verse 1, notice what the Bible says. It says, judge not that you be not what? Judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. How many of you want mercy? Then be a merciful person. Because if you're a judgmental person, the law of sowing and reaping kicks in and you're going to reap what you sow. And if you're judgmental and you're just judgmental and critical and so on, that's what you're going to reap back in your life, dear friends. Judge not that you be not judged. Notice verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, the plank is in your own eye. In other words, the guy that's got the telephone pole in his eye is trying to get the toothpick out of the other guy's eye. He says, verse 5, hypocrites, first remove the plank, or first remove the telephone pole from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck or the toothpick from your brother's eye. Yes, we're supposed to help our brothers and sisters, but we first need to sweep the dirt from under our own doormat. Amen? Before we start cleaning somebody else's house, we need to sweep out all the dirt that's in our house. Amen? Clean your own house first and then go over and help somebody else. There's a whole lot of people. I'm talking about religious people. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about people that pray in tongues. I'm talking about people that are so-called prayer warriors. (laughs) I laugh at that because so many of those prayer warriors are no more than gossips and backbites and tail bearers. Not all of them, but so many of them. And they'll always want to clean the dirt out of your life. Now they need to clean themselves up first. Amen? See, before I come and clean you all up with the Word of God, I've got to be sure that I'm clean with the Word. Amen? Or I'm a hypocrite, you see. Look at Galatians 6.1 and we'll close. Galatians 6.1 in the Amplified. Galatians 6.1 in the Amplified. I just want the people that attend this church regularly to be spiritually mature. 
That's what I want. I want the people that attend this church. I want us to be worshipers. I want us to be prayers. I want us to help people. But I want us to do it from a good and a right and a clean heart. I don't want any backbiting among this this congregation. I don't want any judgmentalism among this congregation. It's never acceptable. Never. I said never. I said it's never acceptable. It's never acceptable to do it among ourselves or to other people. Never. Is it ever acceptable? No. No. Under any circumstances. Yeah, but I just thought I'd listen because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. No, you need to love those people that are doing that and stand up to them and bop them lovingly on the head and say, Hey, I'm not listening to that trash. Now, you want to talk about so-and-so? Let's pray for him. Boy, that'll shut that devil up that's on them real quick. Is that right? Do that. You don't have to be as animated as I was. I wouldn't recommend that you're as animated as I. Yeah, hey, hey, Pastor Terry, did you hear about so-and-so? Let's just have a word of prayer for so-and-so. Yes, that's right. Amen. Boy, that'll shut that stuff down. Amen? Galatians 6, 1, Amplified. Brethren, he's talking to Christians. If any person is overtaken in misconduct or sin of any sort, you who are spiritual, who are responsive to and controlled by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, those of you who are, we could say, mature, should set him right and restore and reinstate him without any sense of superiority And with all gentleness, keeping an attentive eye on yourself, lest you should be tempted also. Boy, that's something to really think about, isn't it? So if, if, I don't care, it's not just a matter if you've heard something about somebody, let's just go ahead and assume that it's true, whatever the bad thing is. Our position as mature Christians is not to fire off another email. It's not to fire off another text, just spreading the cancer. Huh? Not to just fire off another phone call. Is that right? But our position as mature people is it stops right here. And respond, let's pray for that person. Let's see. Hey, okay, let's get together. Let's get together. Let's get together. And let's see how we can help that person. And reinstate them. Amen? Let's get together and see how we can help somebody. Let's get together and see if we can, can get them back in fellowship with the Lord. Isn't that the way we should be conducting ourselves? One minister said years ago, he said, the body of Christ, you know, it's also known as the army of the Lord. And he said, it's the only army that he's ever seen where they'll kick out their own wounded. Sad, isn't it? How many of you know if you're on a battlefield, United States on a battlefield and there's somebody injured, what do the other soldiers do? They try to pick him up and get him out of there. Is that right? And they'll even go to the extent of losing their own life to rescue a, a wounded fellow soldier. Is that right? Why don't we do that as Christians? I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about this. This is just rampant all throughout the body of Christ. Anything I've ever... this. And I just know that God, he's calling this church up to a higher level. 
in really any church that will listen to what the Spirit of God is saying, there's no place for gossip, backbiting, tail-bearing, judgmentalism, accusation. There's no place for it. And when that comes to our attention, we need to, we need to see how we can move and operate in love to help people and reinstate somebody. Amen? Did you hear me? If you want to be a part of this church, that's what I'm calling everybody to. Amen? To walk above the fray. Let's be, let's be different. Amen? Did you hear me? And when somebody's caught, see, when somebody's caught, this lady was caught in adultery and all of the religious people on the scene, they're ready to stone her. And what's Jesus thinking about? How can I get this lady helped? How can I reinstate her? How can I get her back to where she needs to be? You get it? Did you really get it? Stand with me, if you would, in the presence of God and take that rock that you have in your hand. Just hold that rock in your hand. I don't need the music today. That's fine. Thank you. And I don't need the the altar workers to come up today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. As you hold that rock in your hand. As we've said in this message, that rock, and I've never done this ever before, but we're going to receive up another offering, and everybody's got something to put in. It's that rock. I'm not talking about money now. But what we're going to do is we take these rocks that we hold in our hand, and when the ushers pass these offering buckets around in a moment, I'm going to ask you to just release that rock into that bucket. And when you do, it's symbolic saying that that you as a Christian, you as a child of God, are going going to make a decision right there and then to release any condemnation, any accusation, and that you're not going to be like these stoners that showed up to do that woman harm, but you're going to drop your rocks. And something else that I just feel strongly that the Holy Spirit wants me to say. I know a a, a couple of weeks ago, my wife did a ladies meeting and they did a similar thing with rocks in here. Only those rocks had to do, they symbolized uh, unforgiveness, bitterness. And, 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 And if you're here today, and you've got unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart, as you drop that rock into that offering bucket, let that be symbolic of that you're casting away that unforgiveness, that bitterness. And let this be a point marked in time that as you release that rock, not only are you saying, I'm not going to be critical, I'm not going to be accusational, but I'm not going to hold on to that bitterness and unforgiveness anymore. This is the day when I let it go. The Bible says also too, and I feel strongly, to, strongly impressed by the Spirit to say this, the Bible says, casting your cares upon Him. Perhaps you're here today and, and you've been weighted down with the cares of this world. And, and this has happened and that has happened 
happened, and this has happened, and that has happened, and this other has happened, and 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 really, it's just uh, it's just the weight on you has been so great. The weight on you has been so great. The, when I say weight, I mean the heaviness, the heaviness, the heaviness. Even to the point that, that as I've prayed for this congregation, I've, 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 I've seen by the Spirit of God that I've even seen particularly a couple of females. This is what I saw. You can look up here. I've just seen them like this with their head laid down. Just their head laid down on top of their hands, just shaking their head. As, I don't know how I can take this anymore. I don't know how I can go another day. I don't know how I can, how I can live another day. I don't know how I can go on like this anymore. I don't know how I can take this anymore. Well, let that rock that you hold in your hand symbolize that care. And when you turn that loose, turn it loose by faith. Casting all of your care over on the Lord. For He cares for you. And, 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 and you say, yeah, but I've done that, Pastor. Yeah, no, no you really haven't. Because you've done it, but then you've taken that care back. Today, when you release that rock, release that care, release that heaviness once and for all, and let the Lord deal with it, and don't you carry it no more. And that's what the Spirit of God is saying. So as we pass... Here in just a moment, these offering receptacles around, powerful, powerful thing going on here right now, symbol, symbolic. I'm not going to be accusational. I'm not going to be judgmental. I'm going to read, I'm going to, I'm going to drop those rocks. Unforgiveness, bitterness, I'm going to drop that. Care, weight, care. I'm going to drop that. I'm going to cast that out. I'm going to drop it in that bucket. And so doing, I'm casting it over onto the Lord. Those are the Lord's buckets, by the way. Just cast it on him. Cast it into his bucket. Those buckets don't belong to me. Those have to do with the, with, with the, with the Lord. Those are his buckets. You, you drop it in his bucket. And you walk out of here today free. You walk out of here today free. You walk out of here today free. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you something else by the Spirit of God. There's a couple of people that if you don't do this, if you don't do this and really, really do it as it pertains to this care and this weight, these situations that, 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 that as time comes and goes, the year will come and go, maybe just a little longer than that. The year will come and go and it'll begin to affect your physical health. It'll begin to affect your physical health. You'll start going down, down, down physically. More, more so, in one case, it's affected your physical health some, but it's, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But if you'll do this today, it doesn't have to be that way. Praise God. Are you okay with the Holy Ghost ministering? Amen. Praise God. Listen to what it is the Spirit of God saying. He has your best interest at heart. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as we release these rocks now into this bucket... Symbolic. These rocks are symbolic of judgmentalism and accusation and criticalness. We at Summit Church refuse to be that way. We drop our rocks. Unforgiveness and bitterness, we drop those as well. And this heaviness and this care, we cast it over on you. And as we drop that rock into that bucket, it's symbolic of we're casting the care over on you. In the name of Jesus. Now go ahead and pass those offering buckets around. And when they come by, just release those rocks, what they're symbolic of in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Drop those rocks. Drop those rocks. Drop those rocks. Hallelujah. Drop those rocks. Drop those rocks. That's the sound of music in the Lord's ears. Hallelujah. Praise God. Listen to that. That's music in the Lord's ears. That's music in the Lord's ears. If you're really meaning it as you do it. Hallelujah. Let's just, let's just raise our hands to Him and just, just bless Him with the fruit of our lips. We thank you, Lord God, for this service today. We thank you for this service. This is a turning point in many people's lives here today and many Christians' lives. Right here today as those rocks are dropped, as those rocks have been dropped and these things have been released. Hallelujah. Praise God. A marked day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A day of liberty. A day of freedom. A day of rejoicing. Hallelujah. Praise God. We don't have to carry the care anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have to carry the care anymore. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're free. Say we're free. Say we're free. Say whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Say I'm free. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, right before we dismiss, if you're here today, listen, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never asked him into your heart, there'll be some men and women standing right up here in the front, right after I dismiss. If you've never uh, asked Jesus into your heart, don't leave here today until you do that. There'll be some men and women standing right up here. When I dismiss, you come up and you say, hey, I need to I need to accept Jesus into my life. And you do that and he'll come in there. Praise God. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And you'll have the power of God in your life to live victorious. Amen. Praise God. Well, say it again. I'm free. I'm free. Now look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. I'm free. Now say, you're free. free. Now say, we're free. In Jesus' name. All right, greet a couple people. You're dismissed. Amen.